Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. I know with COVID going on right now, sometimes the deals might slow down. So I would say stay consistent, keep underwriting deals, keep learning. And when the right deal pops up, you'll know that it's a great deal to take down and you'll be ready for it. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. 
For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best of your listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Dan Perez. Dan, how are you doing today? Doing great, Theo. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. A little bit about Dan. He is a full-time corporate tax accountant for Qualcomm and started investing in real estate in 2018. His portfolio consists of 27 rentals, five flips, and a partnership in a 32-unit apartment complex. He is based in San Diego, California, and you can say hi to him at his email, which is Daniel J. Perez, P-E-R-E-Z, 562 at gmail.com. So Dan, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on today? Definitely. Yeah, so my wife and I live in San Diego, California, and we primarily invest out of state in Indianapolis, Indiana. We started at the end of 2018, and we've really grown since then. We went into real estate investing primarily for rental properties, but based on the market, we've also taken down a couple flips over that amount of time. Based on the amount of capital that we had available to us, we actually used the Burr method to start out using other people's money to invest in rental properties, buy them, fix them up, add some value and appreciation to the property so that we can refinance the money out and continue to scale. Our goal going into this was to allow us a bit of financial flexibility moving forward. We plan to have kids in the next couple of years. And our whole goal in real estate was let's generate some passive income to help us out. So down the line, if one or both of us would like to stay home and raise our kids or just provide another opportunity for us. We figured this would be the fastest way to get us there. And as you mentioned, we're not only in Indianapolis with single family rental properties, but we are also limited partners in a 32 unit apartment complex in Kansas City, Missouri, which is going well. And our goal moving forward is just to keep generating passive income. Thanks for sharing that. For your first deal, did you use other people's money? For our first deal, we actually used home equity line of credit on our primary residence. We actually did that on our first three properties. What we did is we wanted to have a proof of concept where we can work out the kinks and also just be ready for anything that maybe we didn't think of going into this investment journey. And for us, after going through three, potentially even four deals with our own money, what we did is then we were able to take our concept and pitch that to other investors to give them some comfort around, hey, here's what Dan and Kelly are doing. It's working. They've worked out some of the kinks. You know, you can't figure out everything on your first couple of deals, but at least we were able to give them a level of comfort that says they know what they're doing. Their process works. They're going to get better and better with each deal, but we're ready to invest with them. And they're also making a good return on their investment. So you started in 2018 and you own 25 rentals and then five flips. That's like 32. There's been two years. So what is that? 16 per year. So one per month. So I'm just curious, are you doing multiple deals at once now? Have you always been doing multiple deals or did you do one at a time up front first and then did multiple deals? So at the end of 2018, where we actually spent most of our time was building out our team. We're both very meticulous in how we put together what we're doing, our processes and procedures. And then also we're extremely picky about who we surround ourselves with because we know that could really make or break what you're doing in the investment market. 
So for us, what we did is we spent about three or four months just building out our team, meeting people, calling other investors, asking them who they worked well with, who they didn't work well with and why, because everyone works differently with their vendors. So for us, at the end of 2018, we actually didn't even take down our first deal. It actually happened at the beginning of 19. But just the amount of time and effort we put into building our team allowed us to scale at a fairly quick pace. We actually picked up, I believe it was 20 or 21 deals in 2019, and we were doing multiple deals at once. So the first few took a little while. We had to get comfortable with our teams and we had to figure out, okay, how quickly do we want to go? Because we do have W2 jobs as well. So we didn't want to take on too much at once. But once we had our team built out and we're familiar with their processes, I think our busiest month, we took down nine properties at once and all nine had rehabs going on. So that was probably our busiest month. It was August of 19. But by that time, we were comfortable with our team. They knew how to work with us. And it was difficult at times, but we got through it. How much money did you have when you first started that you used for those first three deals? So we had a home equity line of credit. I believe it was one hundred and eighty dollars to $200,000. But the house is in Indianapolis. You can pick up some solid three-bed, one-bath properties that need some work in the range of forty dollars to 55000 In 2019, the prices have gone up a little bit since then. So that gave us the ability to take on those homes and the rehabs with our own money. So that is the beauty of the Indianapolis market. It's very affordable to get into the market and the rental rates are strong as well. So it's very conducive to having rentals. So you said for the first three to four months, you focused on building your team. Who did you bring on? And then since you weren't actively doing deals at the time and that you hadn't done a deal in the past, what types of things did you say to them to bring them on? Or did they just say, yeah, I'll work for you? Or did you need to sell them in a sense on your ability to actually do the deal since obviously they get paid whenever you actually do deals. That's a great point you bring up. It was difficult with some of the vendors I was reaching out to without having done a deal. It is difficult sometimes to get people's attention because there are so many investors reaching out to agents, wholesalers, property managers on a day-to-day basis. A lot of times, if you haven't done a deal, some people, quite frankly, they do tend to not take you as seriously as if you have done a deal or two. So keeping that in mind, I tried to respect that. I know everyone is extremely busy. And so if they didn't have the time to work with me at that given time, so be it. I would have to move on, but at least I would try to pick their brain a little bit and say, here are a couple questions. Can you at least help me to answer them or point me in the right direction? So if I at least got them on a call, I wanted to make the most of that time with them. But when we started out, I tried to keep my calls as short and succinct as possible because I did not want to waste their time up front. And I knew as a new investor, I could come off as doing so. So what I did is I had a list of vendors that we wanted to bring onto our team, starting with the property manager, deal finders being agents and wholesalers. We needed to find someone that could provide insurance for us. Contractors are an extremely big one when you're using the Burr method. So we wanted to start with our core solid team. And what I did is I just had a generic set of questions that I would ask each, figure out who worked well with us, who didn't. But I think where I actually gained the most value was speaking with other investors who are my competitors as well in the Indianapolis market, just saying who's working well for you. Cause I think that's where you're actually going to get the most honest feedback. What I've found is anytime you call a vendor, they tend to have pretty good answers for you and everyone sounds good over the phone, but you get the most honest feedback from the investors that are actually working with these vendors. And then it sounds like the other person on your team is your wife. You said, correct. Yep. What advice do you have on making sure that that goes smoothly? <laughs> that's a good question, Theo. For us, what we did is we said, 
we're going to segregate the duties so that we're not stepping on each other's toes, but also so we're not duplicating work. The point of us going into this together is one, we both really enjoy real estate. But the other thing is we want to make it as easy and seamless for us as possible so that it's not necessarily a burden. It's supposed to be as passive as possible, which it takes time and effort. But with two of us, I think it has honestly allowed us to scale a little quicker than maybe if you were going it on your own. So what we did when we started out is we said, I am going to be more on the acquisition side and managing the property managers, managing the day-to-day rehabs. Whereas Kelly was going to be more on the back end. She's a corporate controller. She's managing more of the finances, the refinances on our properties, which is a huge undertaking. She's managing the book. She's working with our CPAs. She's doing a lot of the business side on the back end. We always joke that I get all the glory up front and I get the FaceTime with all the fun people. And then she's on the back end doing the difficult tasks, but it takes a lot of pressure off of me and it allows me to scale with the deals that we're taking on. And do both of you have full-time jobs that are structured nine to five, or do you have some flexibility that allows you to work on the business for the day, or is it just all at night and weekends? I would say that our jobs are pretty structured with both of us being in accounting. I would say our typical hours are about 8.30 to 6 or 6.30 at night. So we're working about 50 hours a week. But what we do is with us being in San Diego, our team being on East Coast time, we're able to wake up early in the morning, get the necessary emails. We prioritize any emails that we need to get out immediately. We get those out the door before we start our day jobs. And then we tend to sync up with our teams during our lunch break. And then after work, even though our team is probably home and eating dinner with their family, we're catching up on other emails that maybe weren't as urgent. So we do fit it in around our day jobs, but in the morning is typically when we get the most done. And how are you finding your deals? You mentioned the agents and the wholesalers. Are they the ones who are solely sending you your deals? So MLS and then wholesalers? Correct. When I started out, I was looking at Redfin, I would say 30 to 45 minutes a day. One, just to see what deals were out there. But two, I was practicing my underwriting, trying to get comfortable with the rent rates in certain neighborhoods, figuring out what the ARVs might be, because that's extremely important for using the Burr method. So for us, looking at Redfin, looking at Zillow, figuring out rent rates and, and what homes are going for, I felt like it gave me a competitive advantage because now I can look at a map of Indianapolis or any market that I'm looking at. I can more or less tell you if it's a good deal or not up front. Now, of course, things can come up in due diligence, but at a high level, I can usually run a deal within two to five minutes and say, yes, this is one that we at least want to look into. But after doing this for six to eight months, I became comfortable with it. My team started pretty much sending me every deal. I no longer have to look at Redfin or really go on any sites. My real estate agent will send me deals that he knows meets our criteria. And then we've made good relationships with wholesalers in the Indianapolis market. And now they send us deals that they know we will take down. And I think that that all goes back to, we built the relationships up front and we say what we're going to do. We act on it. We don't drag our feet. If we like a deal, we say, yes, this works for us and we deliver on it. I think that the Indianapolis wholesalers now respect us for that. And they know that we will take down deals if we say that we want it. But for your first deals, you had to find those yourself on Redfin and Zillow? Correct. I would say the first five or six deals I found on Redfin, I sent it to the agent we were working with at the time saying we're interested. He helped us draft up the purchase agreement. And then we worked with our contractors and our inspectors to get in there, do due diligence. You might need to go back and forth with the seller a little bit based on new information that came available during the inspection to get it to a price that now works for you. And then from there, we would close on the deal and start the process. But yes, the first couple were deals that I was just looking all over, Redfin, Zillow, Trulia, 
and reached out to my agent and said, can we please draft up an offer? All right, Dan, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say my best real estate investment advice would be to stay consistent and take action. I think a lot of people think that taking action only means putting in offers and buying properties, but there's other ways that you can take action. You can really build your team, build your network. You can learn. I know with COVID going on right now, sometimes the deals might slow down. So I would say stay consistent, keep underwriting deals, keep learning. And when the right deal pops up, you'll know that it's a great deal to take down and you'll be ready for it. All right, Dan, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right, first, a quick word from our sponsor. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. What if you could earn 10000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Corino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more. Okay, Dan, what is the best ever book you've recently read? Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? I would figure out what I or my team did wrong, figure out how we can fix it, and I would go right back to doing the same thing I am now, picking up rental properties. What is the best ever deal you've done, either in terms of money or something else? I would say it was actually one of our first couple of deals. The agent we were working with identified a deal, more or less wrote up the purchase agreement for us. By the time I got into the office at nine in the morning, it was in my inbox. I signed it. We had it under contract about an hour later. We were all into the property for 59000 and it's renting for ten twenty-five. Something I forgot to ask you earlier. Have you visited the market? I have. I've been three times and I'm actually flying out in a week. Okay. And then on the other end, tell us about the time you lost money on a deal. How much you lost and what lessons you learned? Fortunately, we have not lost money on a deal, but I would say our most unsuccessful deal was a deal that we went into. It was a larger property that we were looking to flip. It was with an agent we were working with. In the beginning, we're no longer working with. We went into this property as a flip, so we did very nice finishes on this property. It ended up not selling or even getting offers anywhere close to what would work for us. So we actually had to pivot and turn it into a rental property, which we're not making the rental numbers that we would hope to but we are still cash flowing a small amount each month and we will look to either flip it in the future or figure out another strategy with it. But I would say that that was a deal that went the most in the wrong direction of the deals that we've taken down so far. What is the best ever way you like to give back? Speaking to new investors, hands down. I love talking with new investors, helping them underwrite deals, helping them learn the market, helping them build their team, whatever I can do to help give back. I had a lot of experienced investors that really took me under their wing when I was first starting out. And Kelly and I like to give back by having quick calls or Zoom sessions with newer investors and try to provide as much guidance and knowledge we can to them. And then lastly, what is the best ever place to reach you? The best ever place to reach me would probably be on Instagram. It's paper route investments. I tend to check that pretty frequently. And if people have questions, I'm happy to get back to them and help however I can. What type of things do you post on the Instagram page? We're still building it out, but for now, we'll post our properties that we've purchased, the areas that they're in. Sometimes I'll post the other interviews that I've done with different companies. 
So we try to post things here and there. I'm still getting better at that. I would say it's probably one of the weaker parts of our investment journey right now. But in the future, we're going to work to build it out, maybe post some case studies on deals that we've done and anything that can provide value to people. Awesome, Dan. Well, thanks for joining us and walking us through your journey of how you're able to build up this rental portfolio while working a full-time job with your wife, of course. So we went over how you're funding your deals. It was originally with a HELOC on your home. And then you did that to create the proof of concept first, your own money. And then you were able to pitch that to other investors for the rest of your deals. You mentioned that you didn't just jump right in right away and do deals. Instead, you focus on building the team first, building that foundation, which is what allowed you to scale so quickly. And you mentioned that the best way to find these team members and to pre-qualify them is to reach out to your competitors, other investors to see who they've worked with in the past and if they worked out well, and then kind of ask them why to make sure that you guys would be conducive with them. You gave us some tips on working with a significant other, which can really be applied to just business partners in general, which was making sure you're segregating the duties so you're not stepping on each other's toes, but you're also not replicating the exact same things. As you mentioned, the breakdown of duties between you and your wife. You mentioned how you're able to spend time on the business while working a full-time job. So basically waking up early, working during your lunch hours, and then working at night. And then finding deals up front. You were finding your deals online, Zillow, Redfin. But you were also looking at those deals to practice underwriting as well. And those were your first five deals. And after that, the team members, the agent and the wholesalers, you had built a relationship with, which sends you deals because you were known to not drag your feet and you would do what you say you're going to do. And then lastly, your best ever advice, which was to stay consistent and take action and realize that action isn't just putting in offers. Action is learning. Action is networking. Action is building a team. Those small steps that are ultimately leading you to doing a deal. So Dan, thanks for joining us. Best of listeners as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow.